Okay, so we are continuing on with Abraham. And tell me about Abraham. Oh, man. Start that? from the beginning. Well, uh, uh, he sold his wives, or uh, no, he sold, he said he'd take his daughters and leave that That was a lot. Well, no. Okay, let's let's start from the beginning. That was last so week. He lived in the Okay, so he lived in Ur. To leave where he was. God told him to leave. And he just told him, just go. Okay. And where did he go first? Up there, just outside of the promises. Yep. I thought we were done with this. No. We were done with law. And he stopped, right? Yes. Why did he stop? His father. Do we know, does it say he stopped because... Not really. No. Okay. We assume it's because his family were, was, was still worshipping idols and they were holding him back. Okay. I will assume with the holding back part, but we do know his family worshipped idols still. If you, there are, I... Don't know them off the top of my head, but we did talk about them. Cross-reference verses in, I think, Joshua. Yep, and another place that say that they still did. Okay, and then he gets, God speaks to him again. And what are the promises? You'll have a son. Or, I mean, yeah, Okay. He'll make of him a great nation. Okay, yes, a great nation. That's overarching picture, but Audrey said because what would have to happen for it to be out of him? He has to have a son, which he does not have, right? He doesn't have any kids. Okay, what other promises? He will bless people that bless him and curse people that curse him. Okay. I'm just going to say blessings. One more. Yes. Okay, and then he takes off from there and travels all around because what does God say? Just go. Well, yes, he doesn't know where to go, so he's relying on God to lead him. What was that? Every rock will become... Oh, yeah, will be his. Okay, yes, so that's back to this over here. And where does... But then something happens. He stops in Aaron. Nope. We already did that. Not yet. Yes, why does he go to Egypt? Oh, yes. There's a famine, and Egypt is the only place that has. Bonus credit, why does Egypt always have food when no one else does? The Nile River. Because it is one of the, I think it's like five largest what? <laughs> Rivers. I want to say it's five because it's like the Yangtze, the Amazon, the Mississippi. Maybe there's four. I don't know. Anyways, it's one of the biggest rivers in the world. So then what happens in Egypt? He, he tells Sarah to say that she's his sister. Yes. So she doesn't get taken, but she gets taken anyways. Yes. And what happens to everybody in Egypt? They get cursed. More specifically. Sickness. Was it a plague? It just says a plague, that yeah. they were plagued. Yep. And then Pharaoh's like, okay, this must be happening for some reason. And finds out. I think you're thinking of Moses. With the um, ten plagues in Egypt, but this that is connections, right? Because this is almost like foreshadowing of what's going to happen with Moses. Okay, so Pharaoh is like, "Oh, so these plagues started right about when I said, hey, Sarah, you should be part of my group of women that are my wives,' and." Then he talks to Abraham, finds out, oh, this 
Sarah is already married to Abraham. I stole somebody's wife. So he gives her back and gives them lots of wealth and makes them leave. Because <laughs> he says, we don't want any trouble. So then Abraham goes back. And what does he do right after? He goes on and Okay. Builds an he doesn't build an altar. What is there already is there? An altar there. Right, because he already has built an altar there. Yeah. He goes back to it. Yep. And why is that important? What should you do after you sin? Okay, and repent. Repent. Yes. So you're you are correcting your ways, asking for forgiveness, and correcting your ways. All right. I like to say he's realigning himself with God. All right, and then from there we go to what somebody said. You're probably on the mountain. <laughs> well, they're they are probably on a high spot again. And they, him and well, Lot, him and Lot are arguing. Yeah, and they both are talking about the good, about the like the land of the water and the, like the land. Of yes, the and they decide to split up. Yeah, and Lot takes the which is down here in front of what? Sodom and Gomorrah. Ah, and you guys know, now know the whole story. Yes, unfortunately. And... That was a weird, weird story. It is a very weird story. Um, and... We'll come back to it, because I don't want to skip all over everything else. We'll come back and talk more about Lot in our review, but... What happens then after Lot is living there for a while? Um, the, okay. Like to Lot, or are we going to... Part of it happens to Lot, but he kind of gets caught up in a big thing that happens in the region. Well, what was that? A takeover. Yes. Yes, Sodom and Gomorrah just, and a couple other cities decide they don't want to pay taxes or... They call it, it's called tribute then. It's more of like, give us whatever we want until we say stop and then we won't kill you. So they don't want to do that. They fight. They steal Abraham or Lot along with all the Sodomites. And what does Abraham do? Yes. He goes, fights against them, save them. And then who do we meet? Important character that we've never met before. Oh, is from, yes, where is he from? He's from. We don't know, right? Do we not know? We don't know where he's okay. from. And we don't know where he's from. But we do know who he's king of. We don't know where he's originally from. Jerusalem. Yeah. What is what is the root word of Same. Jerusalem? And what does that mean? It means peace. So he is the king of peace. King of peace. Uh, what else is special about him? He's okay. Either not mentioned again in the Bible. He's true. He's like, isn't he like just like Jesus? He is, is a picture, yes, yeah. of Jesus. Nobody else is like him in this way. What are the two important roles that Jesus plays, or is? for us earthly roles that are typical on earth where are like the two top jobs that you could have in Israel with the most um, the most authority the most responsibility accountability to God okay a priest and what a king. So what's special about him? He's a priest and a king, which never, ever happens in the Hebrews' structure. Not allowed. Because the Levites aren't allowed to own anything. And what do kings own? Everything. Okay? So Jesus, then, is just like Melchizedek. We learn about later. Paul talks about it. David talks about it in the psalm that Jesus is forever after the order of Melchizedek, that he is both our king and our high priest.
Okay. Um, then, Abraham and Sarah, we look at some personal, interrelational things that happen in their house. Yes. <laughs> yep. So then there is Ishmael. Right. And why is that a bad idea? Because you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, just everything about that is bad, right? Be- Besides the fact that God said you and Sarah are going to have a, the son, your son. I mean, first of all, it's not the way God said to. And then second of all, just that's not the way God made people to operate within a family structure okay it doesn't work it's not what he meant to happen um so doesn't work out well he does have a son ishmael and um what happens with hagar and ishmael Yes. They're at war with the Israelites Yes. They're not... Okay. So, right, they are cursed in the sense that this is going to be um, one of their traits that's going to follow them. But they're not inherently bad people. They're no more bad that, than what their choices lead them to be in the end, okay? So... Um, then we have the name change, right? He was changed from Abram to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah. And then we get back to Lot. So you see now the full picture of, and what is it a overall picture of? A something that you can learn, like, allegorical sense from him about a one specific topic that everybody here struggles with. Yes. Okay, right. Because what it was good land. There was nothing wrong with having your flocks graze in the valley, but it put him in a position where he had he was close to a place where there's a lot of sin going on, a lot of things that he shouldn't be doing, shouldn't be around. And he starts out with his tent where? Looking right, the door of his tent faces their gate, and when Abraham comes and rescues him, or he's taken captive, where is he? When the other kings came and took all of Sodom captive before Melchizedek met them, where is Lot living? In Sodom. In Sodom. Now he's not in the tent anymore. And then, where did you guys talk about what Lot's job was? Yeah, then yeah. later we find out he, which a gatekeeper then was, you were kind of like like a judge or like a city official. Like you worked in the politics, the inner workings of the city. You were part of it, okay? That doesn't mean to say that Lot was bad at that job or did bad things in that job. But he, it is to say that obviously it had influence on his family, right? Y'all heard what happened with that. Okay, so we don't have to dwell on that anymore. But overall, what does this story make you feel? Because it's a story that you've got to walk away feeling something. Okay, disgust. Yes. 
shocking, yeah. okay? Anybody feel angry? No. Oh, I mean, a little bit, because Lot, like, let his children be born in Sodom, and then was like, oh, they won't come with me. Yeah, okay. I think the thing that, and I felt all those things too, and still do sometimes when you think about it, but I think the overall feeling, the more and more that you see other things in the world and how people operate, that this becomes more, not specifically, but overall a familiar story. And in the end, it makes you sad. It's sad to see his character arc and what happened. Because he was around Abraham, who had an awesome relationship with God, a great person to learn from and to spend time with, to be a friend with. And where he ended up in the end is just, it makes you sad, okay? All right, so after this, now we're going to move on to today's, what we're going to cover today. Um, Abraham journeys to... I gotta look at the pronunciation because this is a weird word. Gira. Girar. That's what it is. Girar, which is over here, kind of on the coast. G E R A R. It's all one word, but I separated it to help you. Girar. And. Oh, that's a line. Sorry. This is a line. I don't know what that's called. That, the umlaut is over that one. The what? Umlaut. That's what you call the two dots over a vowel. Oh, yeah. Did he, did he the I have one over the O in my name. You're lying. Really? No. Like, if you looked at the German version. Oh, I was like, like, yeah. No, I don't spell it like that now, but that's technically. You should have Yeah. Okay. So, he they journey over to this place, which we haven't heard about him coming here yet. But does anyone... I want to take a guess at the famous group of people in the Bible that live in this area. This is the first time they're mentioned in the Bible. Samson comes across them. David fights with them a lot. The Philistines. The Philistines, yes. Somebody's reading. This is their land, okay? Or will become theirs. We don't, they're probably more of like little city-states in there right now and not so much unified together. But... And they're not necessarily as bad as we find them to be later on in the Bible, okay? We don't know. And actually, we know they're not as bad as they were later in the Bible because God says about the promised land that he's not giving it to Abraham yet because why? This is bonus. Bonus imaginary points, if you can remember this. Why is God not giving the promised land to Abraham or later the Israelites yet? Why is he waiting? It's important, especially today, because this is a big complaint about people, about people who are against the Bible. One of their major complaints about the Old Testament. They complain, they, their big thing is why would God kill all the people in Canaan? before he gave it away to the Israelites. What it, this ties into last week, and what about Sodom and Gomorrah? Because it was evil. Okay. Okay, he wants to give people a chance. So, Bible says many times, God says, I have, I'm not giving this to you yet because they have not reached um, like their, the level of evil that they can't turn back from or they've gone too far. So the Philistines aren't that bad yet. We know they might be bad, but they're not that bad yet. We know that, okay? So um, he's spent spending some time there, and we're going to start in Genesis chapter 20. We're going, to read, we're going to read a lot just to get the whole story under our belts before we talk about it. We're going to read verse 1 through 18. And Abraham journeyed from thence toward the south country and dwelt between Kadesh and Shur, and sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham's son Sarah, his wife, she is my sister, 
Anything familiar yet? Like in Egypt. Yep, let's keep reading. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, thou art by a dead man, for the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. Now Abimelech did not question, so he said, Lord, would you destroy me? said unto him in a dream, Yea, I know that thou didst this in the integrity of thy heart, for I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore suffered I not to touch her. Now there are a man his wife, for he is a quiet, and he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live, and if thou restore her not, know thou that thou shalt surely die. Therefore Abimelech rose early in the morning and called all his servants and told all these things in their ears, and the men were sore afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said unto him, What hast thou done unto us? And what have I offended thee that thou hast brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin? Thou hast done deeds unto me that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said unto Abraham, What sawest thou that thou hast done this thing? Did everybody get that? Sarah is his half-sister, okay? It was not uncommon in ancient times, okay? All right, keep going. So technically he wasn't lying. Okay, we will talk about that. Let's keep going. And it came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house, that I said unto her, This is thy kindness, which thou shalt show unto me. At every place, whither we shall come, say of me, he is my brother. Abimelech took sheep and oxen and men, Abraham, and restored him, Sarah, his wife. And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before thee, dwell where it pleaseth thee. And unto Sarah he said, Behold, I have given thy brother a thousand pieces of silver, a gold piece to thee, a covering of the eyes, unto all that are with thee, and with all other thus she is with thee. So Abraham prayed unto God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife. Okay, so a lot of familiar things, right? To way early in Abraham's story in the Bible. And very interesting, just everything that happens that God comes and talks to Abimelech in a dream. Different from with Pharaoh, he actually talks to him. And Abimelech says, well, this is what they told me. I didn't do anything wrong. I just, I had no idea. They lied to me, right? And um, we find out that if you look at those last verses that we read, it seems like he doesn't find out until quite a while after Abraham and Sarah have been there because their women have not had any children the entire time Abraham and Sarah and Sarah has been in Abimelech's house. So, you know, they've probably been there at least a couple months because there were no pregnancy tests back then. You know, you just found out because you start to have a belly and, you know, that's how you know. So it's been a while, but Abimelech says, hey, I haven't even been with Sarah at all. She's just been at my house this whole time. He's like, I didn't do anything. And so when Abimelech goes, he talks to Abraham. He's like, hey, you lied to me. What's the deal here? And God told me you lied to me. And Abraham is like, well, 
she is my sister though she's my half sister so I didn't lie and it's so what it is okay yes you say that all right that part it is but it was super common like their son Isaac will marry his they're probably like second cousins but he'll marry his Yep. to keep the legacy within their family and not within other people. It has been common up until like the, the 16th century? Yeah, like look at royal families. It's oh, yeah, not condoning it, but I'm just saying it's that's not that's not the thing that is wrong here, okay? That's what I'm saying is that's not the thing here that's wrong. Okay, well, that's not what happens here. Okay, so we see that he has seems to have a hang-up about people taking his wife, right? He, this is something that he's very concerned about. And yeah, everything he says causes it. Well... It probably wouldn't have happened either times if he said, yeah, this is my wife. Because neither of these guys, Pharaoh or Abimelech, the king of Abimelech, were like, well, I'm just out to take everybody's wife. They thought she wasn't taken. They thought that she was looking, right? She was looking for a husband. And, but Abraham, this is something that is, you could go, you could even say that this is something that is a temptation for him, that tests him, that's a trial. And um, we, don't, we don't know um, exactly what Abraham's thinking, what the reason for all this, but he has some kind of a fear about this that rises up in him and both times that it's recorded, we don't know how many times, but that this has been an issue for him or what the underlying root cause of is of this fear, but he, every time he lies about what the truth is. She gets taken. Well, yes, that's the result, but every time he lies and he hides what his relationship with her is. And you will find out as you live your life and because now you're young, you're like, I'm not an adult yet. I'm still learning things. I'm making mistakes and all this, but you'll find out that there are going to be some mistakes that you just keep making. You're going to keep making the same mistakes. And there are some things there are, some sins, temptations, trials, whatever it might be that you are going to overcome. There's some things that you'll say, I've got that more or less taken care of. Not tempted too much by it anymore. I, I can, I've worked through that. I've changed how I think. I've changed who I am with that. And I don't do that anymore. But there are some things that even when you think you've defeated them for a season. They always come back. Well, they don't always, but some things, because I don't want to say all of them or that it's forever, but there are some things that you may struggle with for your whole life or most of your life. And they keep coming back and knocking you down, tripping you up. And <clears throat> some of these you may just give into. You might justify it and say, well, it's really not that bad. Some things that you may avoid, avoid dealing with. You may run away from it every time. Because sin is like a plague that is, that is on you, that's surrounding you, that's oppressing you, just pushing against, up against you so then you can't breathe. Sometimes that's what it feels like. 
And the only chance of alleviating it is of killing it. You have to allow Jesus to deal with it. You have to allow him in. You have to surrender. And this made me think, and some of you probably were not here when we did this. Anybody have what time it is? I want to make sure we have enough time. Okay, we have enough. Do you guys remember, some of you remember doing this book? Yes. The Great Divorce. What a, what a it's not about divorce. Book. It's a trick. It, it is about, when it says the Great Divorce, it is talking about heaven and hell. Is that the book with strawberries? No, no. that's oh, different. Man. Oh, man. This is the bus one. <laughs> what happens in this book is this guy gets a chance to get on a tour bus that is going to tour hell. Oh, and the great divorce is you being divorced from Jesus. Because we are, the church is the bride of Jesus. And if you don't accept him, then you are separated from him. That's what divorce means. It means separation. And that the greatest separation would be to go to hell forever. And he goes to hell, or sorry, he is coming from hell and he's going to heaven on a tour bus is what it is. So he's going to go observe people in heaven you do observe some people in hell at the beginning but there's all these people from hell that are in heaven and are experiencing what heaven is like and i thought of this one little because each chapter is about a different person and this one stuck out to me with this story about abraham dealing with the same sin over and over um so I just want to read this section. Some of you will recognize of it, and some of you it'll be for the first time. And all the people in this that are ghosts, those are the ones visiting from hell. All right, that's just what he calls them. Um, okay. So I saw coming towards us a ghost who carried something on his shoulder. Like all the ghosts, he was substantial, unsubstantial, but they differed from one another as smokes differ. Some had been whitish. This was only dark and oily. What sat on his shoulder was a little red lizard, and it was twitching its tail like a whip and whispering things in his ear. As we caught sight of him, he turned his head to the reptile with a snarl of impatience. Shut up, I tell you, he said. It wiggled its tail and continued to whisper to him. He ceased snarling and presently began to smile. He turned and started to limp westward away from the mountains. Off so soon, said a voice. And this is um, an angel that is speaking to him now. The speaker was more or less human in shape, but larger than man and so bright that I could hardly look at him. His presence smote on my eyes and on my body too, for there was some heat coming off of him as well as light. Like the morning sun at the beginning of a uh, tyrannous summer day, Yes, I'm off, said the ghost. Thanks for all your hospitality, but it's no good, you see. I've got told this little chap, here he indicated to the lizard, that he have to be quiet if he came, which he insisted on doing. Of course, this stuff won't do here. I realize that, but he won't stop. I shall just have to go home. Wouldn't you like me to make him quiet, said the flaming spirit and angel, as I now understood. Of course I would, said the ghost. Then I will kill him, said the angel, taking a step forward. Oh, ah, uh, look out, uh, you're burning me. Keep away, said the ghost, retreating. Don't you want him killed? You didn't say anything about killing him at first. I hardly meant to bother you with anything as so drastic as that. It's the only way, said the angel, whose burning hands were now very close to the lizard. Shall I kill it? Well, that's a... Far further question, I'm not quite open to consider it, but it's a new point, isn't it? I mean, from the moment, for the moment, I was only thinking about silencing it, because up here, well, it's so damned embarrassing. May I kill it? Well, there's time to discuss that later. There is no time. May I kill it? Please, I never meant to be such a nuisance. Please, really, don't bother. Look, it's gone to sleep on its own accord, and I'm sure it'll be all right now. Thanks ever so much. May I kill it? Honestly, I don't think there's the slightest necessity for that. I'm sure I shall be able to keep it in order now. 
I think the gradual process will be far better than killing it. The gradual process is of no use at all. Don't you think so? Well, I think over what you've said, I'll think over what you said very carefully. I honestly will. In fact, I'll let you kill it now. But as a matter of fact, I'm not feeling frightfully well today. It would be most silly to do it now. I need, I'd need to be in good health for the operation. Some other day, perhaps. There is no other day. All days are present now. Get back. You're burning me. How can I tell you to kill it? You'd kill me if you did. It is not so. Why, you're hurting me now. I never said it wouldn't hurt you. I said it wouldn't kill you. Oh, I know. You think I'm a coward. But it, is, it isn't that. Really, it isn't. I say, let me back to the, tonight's bus and get an opinion from my own doctor. I'll come again the first moment I can. This moment contains all moments. Why are you torturing me? You're jeering at me. How can I let you tear me in pieces? If you wanted to help me, why didn't you kill the damn thing without asking me? Before I knew, I would be all over, it would be all over by now if you had. I cannot kill it against your will. It is impossible. Have I your permission? The angel's hands were almost done, almost closed on the lizard, but not quite. Then the lizard began chatting, chattering to the ghost so loud that even I could hear what it was saying. Be careful, it said. He can do what he says. He can kill me. One fatal word from you, and he will. Then you'll be without me forever and ever. It's not natural. How could you live? You'd only be a sort of ghost, not a real man as you are now. He doesn't understand. He's only a cold, bloodless, abstract thing. It may be natural for him, but it isn't for us. Yes, yes, there are no real pleasures now, only dreams. But aren't they better than nothing? And it'll be so good. I admit, I've sometimes gone too far in the past, but I promise I won't do it again. I'll give you nothing but really nice dreams, all sweet and fresh and innocent. You might say, quite innocent. Have I your permission? The angel said to, to the ghost. I know it will kill me. It won't, but supposing it did. You're right. That would be better to, to it would be better to be dead than to live with this creature. Then may I? Damn, blast you. Go on. Can't you? Get it over. Do what you like, bellowed the ghost, but ended whippering. God help me. God help me. The next moment, the ghost gave a scream of agony, such as I never heard on earth. The burning one closed his crimson grip on the reptile, twisted it while it bit and writhed, and then flung it back, or, and then flung it broken back on the turf. Ow! That's done for me, gasped the ghost, reeling backwards. For a moment, I could make out nothing distinctly, but then, between me and the nearest bush, unmistakably solid, but growing every moment solider, the upper arm and the shoulder of a man. Then brighter still and stronger, the legs and hands, the neck and golden head materialized as while I watched. And if my attention had not wavered, I should have seen the actual completing of a man, an immense man, naked, not much smaller than the angel. What distracted me was the fact that at the same moment something seemed to be happening to the lizard. At first I thought the operation had failed, for... Uh, so far from dying, the creature was still struggling, and even growing bigger as it struggled. And as it grew, it changed. It hindered, its hinder parts grew rounder. The tail, still flickering, became a tail of hair that flicked between huge glossy buttocks. Suddenly, I started back, rubbing my eyes. What stood before me was the greatest stallion I had ever seen, silvery white, with a mane and tail of gold, it was smooth and shining, rippled with swells of flesh and muscle, whinnying and stamping its hooves. Each, at each stamp, the land shook as the trees dindled. The new man turned and clapped the new horse's neck. Its nose, it nosed his bright body. Horse and master beneath each into, breathed into each other's nostrils. The man turned from it, flung himself at the feet of the burning one and embraced him. When he rose, I thought his face shone with tears, but it may have only been liquid love and brightness. One cannot distinguish them in that country, which flowed from him. I had not long to think about it. It was joyous, in joyous haste the young man leapt upon the horse's back, 
Turning his seat, he waved farewell and nudged the stallion with his heels, and they were off before I well knew what was happening. So, this isn't this is an allegory, obviously. It's not what heaven and hell are really like. But what is the lizard in that? Okay, you're along the right temptation, right? It's that voice that is trying to convince you that whatever your temp your sin, whatever the thing is that you are uh, addicted in the broader sense of the word, to just give in, to do it, to be just fine with it. And notice how much he resisted letting it go. And what was one of the huge arguments that the lizard had about what would happen if he killed, if he was killed? That the guy would die too. Yeah, that he'd die too. That he wouldn't be real anymore. He wouldn't be a real man or real woman or whatever. He would be less if that part of him was gone. Which it wasn't true at all because what happened when the lizard was finally killed? turned into a horse, and he was a greater man than he ever was. And they rode off quite literally into the sunset. And you have to wonder what it might have been like if Abraham had just told the truth, or if this wasn't a hang-up for him. They probably thought about more than just these two times. What might his and Sarah's relationship have been like if he had dealt with this? If he had addressed it, if he had worked on it, if he had brought it to God to deal with it? Maybe they wouldn't have had the whole issue with Hagar and Ishmael. That might not have been a problem. You're like, well, things worked out okay then. What do you know about Isaac and Rebecca. What do you know about Jacob and Sorry. Yeah, Jacob and Rachel and Leah. Yeah, they're all kind of Not I'm not saying they would have perfect families, but you know what they struggle with? Their relationship and their marriage. All all of them well, yes, everybody does have struggles, but they, the trust within their relationships was not good. Might have been better if Abraham had dealt with what he had to deal with. So, of course, God takes care of the whole situation, and in fact, he blesses Abimelech in the end, lifts the curse, and... They having lots of children then in his whole household and where he rules. And things are actually pretty good after that. Um, just to skip ahead in the next chapter, because Abimelech comes up again, that Abraham and Abimelech, um, they have some business dealings where Abimelech gives him some land, a well that belongs to him, and they actually get along pretty good. Of all the people um, that in the land that Abraham comes across, Abimelech is probably one of the ones that he's the closest to that you could say was a friend in the land. They went through some crazy stuff, right, at the beginning. But it does, it becomes better because God is a part of that. God blesses Abraham. So, last thing for tonight, we're going to move on to chapter 21 because this is a major event that happens. And let's just read verses 1 through 5, wherever we left off. And the Lord visited Sarah as he said, as she had said, and the Lord did as for Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born to him, whom Sarah bare him, Isaac. 
And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was hundred years old when his son Isaac was born. Okay, so this is what we've been waiting for, right? The son. The son, the promised son, long awaited. Another little picture, right? Who else is long awaited? Jesus was born, right? We long awaited for him as well, the promised son. And notice it says that he was born because Jesus, when he visited Abraham, remember before Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed, what did Jesus, when he visited Abraham as tent, say was going to happen? He would have a son. When? Do you remember? He gave a set time. It doesn't say what time of year, but essentially this time next year, Isaac will be born. Or, I don't know if he, he didn't give them a name. He just said, your son will be born of Sarah. And that's exactly what happens because God keeps all of his promises. And um, now this is him, despite all of Abraham and Sarah's other ideas about how it might come about, God still works through them and causes his plan to happen. Because no matter what you do, even if you try to mess up his plan, I'm not saying anybody's going to try to do that, but there are people that try to mess it up, that God's plan is going to be carried out no matter what. You might, you could move yourself out of that plan by your actions, but God's plan is going to happen no matter what. And the last thing is, we're not going to read it, but what happens now is um, Isaac is now about, probably they think about three or two or three years old, old enough that he's walking, eating food, and he's been weaned, as they would say it. And they're having um, like a celebration of that. And Ishmael is making fun of, mocking Isaac. Doesn't really say what. Must have been pretty, pretty severe enough that Sarah is like, I don't want him around Isaac anymore. Don't know what it is, but she says, I don't want him around. And Abraham... He's torn about it because that's his son too, right? That's also his son. And we don't know exactly what goes on, but Abraham is um, probably at odds a bit with Sarah about what to do because what happened last time when they kicked Hagar out? God sent her back, right? Well, this time God speaks to... Abraham um, in verse 12 and he tells him no it is time for Isaac and Hagar to leave it's time to separate things it's time for because they are not in my plan because of the actions these are just the consequences because there's always consequences of sin even when it's forgiven you still have to carry out consequences right you probably have all experienced that with even your parents you do something wrong, there's consequences, but they still forgive you and they still love you. But you still have to suffer whatever punishment. So the, a similar thing here where God says, nope, it's time. Ishmael and Hagar need to leave. And they do. And Hagar is, it's almost like a replaying of before where she's out in the wilderness. They had brought food and water with them that Abraham sent with them but she has run out of water after a while and it is bad enough that she puts Ishmael like under a bush and goes away from him because she's like we're going to die and I can't bear to watch him die because we're about to die and I just can't I can't handle it emotionally to watch my son die well they're in the desert yeah. Well, there's only so much time where you do run out of water, especially in the desert. Not always, not always. So 
God comes to their rescue because God has promised that he is going to make a great nation out of Ishmael, and he's going to hold to that promise. He's not going to let them die. And um, a, she, he gets her up and leads her to a well of water. She must not have been able to see it, only because you can't see it, you don't know which way to go. And he leads her to that, and they're saved. And obviously, out of that, God further elaborates on his promise that they are going to dwell in the wilderness in that area, which is now the Middle East, and that he is going to also be a great archer. So um, archers are often seen, especially in the ancient times, as a key part of warfare. If you don't have archers, you're not going to do well, especially if the other side does, because it's the only thing where you can get distance between you and the enemy. And so this is saying that he's going to essentially be a great warrior, um, probably along with that as a great hunter. He's going, and he's going to be powerful. The bow was seen as power because you have power to reach out and affect people with it. So, and you see that, that even today, Despite um, everyone that might be against them, the Arabs, the Middle East, all, all of those that are not Jews that live there, are mostly are descended from Ishmael here, that they, they are still powerful, that they are still capable of controlling what goes on. Even in the whole world, they control aspects of it. And because God sticks to, this is what I said is going to happen, and it will happen. So we see that in these, last, these few chapters here that you see a lot of consequences of what their choices were being played out. That there are ones that last for a long time, some that are short-term, but that throughout it all that God is faithful and if you lean on him, that he'll get you through whatever it might be. Even though you have to suffer, sometimes he'll get you through it. And that he has great promises for you on the other side. All right. Thank you, guys.